Mark Santiago here, and welcome to the Empowered AF Podcast, where each episode we share powerful strategies to help you communicate, act, and lead like an empowered man. Thanks for joining me. All right, all right. We are live, going live with yours truly. I haven't done one of these in forever, um, but I figured we'd try a new format, call it Ask Me Anything. So I've got several questions here. I'm going to use my phone as the object. And if you've got questions beyond the ones that I'm asking, feel free to drop it in the comments. But I do have already a lot of questions. So I don't know if I'll get to all of these in the allotted time I've got. Uh, We've got some deep ones. We've got some good ones. Um, And then I'm going to share some anecdotes probably for you as well to hopefully encourage you guys and um, help you understand the power of going all in. All right. So the first question I've got is from Jesse Morgan. He says, my wife has been going to a woman's empowerment group, literally called the empowered woman in therapy. I did not know until today, there's been a huge growth and change. And I've made a huge growth in myself. What does coming back to a fresh marriage look like? As far as I don't know what to do. I feel like a teenager that doesn't know how to date his own wife. I feel that our communication has improved and we should just roll with it. However, it's new territory. Jesse, it's a great question. Absolutely. Great question. So what I would say is this is you have to first create an image of what you want the new marriage to look like, right? So that image, it looks like communication. What does our communication look like? What does dating look like? What does sex look like? Uh, what does transparency look like? What are all of those things look like? No different for, from if you were getting married for the first time, right? The, the clearer of a vision you have of what you want out of a marriage, the better it's going to be because then you can manifest that clear of a picture. So I want you to get a picture of, I want you to imagine what communication looks like. I want you to imagine what sex looks like. I want you to imagine all of those things and recognize that there is a gap between where you are now to where you want to be. So the first thing is to have a vision. The second is to reverse engineer. What are the things that would have to be in place in order for me to have that type of relationship with my wife? What are the types of habits? What are the intentionality things that I need to be doing in order to create that environment in the marriage? So with the man, as we always say in Empowered Man, we are not about saving marriages, we are about saving men. And men who have found themselves, found their identity, found their power, found their confidence, have a much higher chance of actually restoring a new marriage and starting over because they found themselves. And so in this process, what we wanna do is get to the place where we work on the habits for ourselves of going, okay, transparency, if that's that's a core value and I want that to be a thing, that means I have to lead it. I have to uh, be the first one to admit my wrongs. I have to be the, the one who is honest about his mistakes and his shortcomings. Uh, when it comes to initiating physical contact, all of those things, you can let her know what you feel and what you want to do. But when you're coming back from a marriage that's been broken, you have to go slowly. You have to go cautiously. The guys who fail are the ones who go too fast, too soon, end up back in bed. And six months later, they've repeated the same mistakes because men equate sex with actual intimacy when it's really a, it's a, it's a, it is a intimate act for sure, but they were, they, they equate it to, okay, everything's fine. We fucked. We had, we had sex. Everything's okay. But that's not the truth. The truth is there's a good possibility. Your wife could be sleeping with you and somebody else. The truth is your wife could be sleeping with you, but only out of necessity or out of a need, not because 
she actually wants to and not because she actually wants to be married to you. So you have to have that understanding of what's going on in the actual marriage and whether or not that's important. So one is have a vision for what you want the marriage to look like. Number two is to reverse engineer. What are the things that need to be done? What are the habits? What are the things I need to put in play? And then number three, it's really about living it. It's it's literally about living it. And from a practical standpoint, um, if she is doing her work, and I have a podcast about this coming back to the marriage stuff, if she is doing her work and she's going to therapy and she's doing those things and you have done your work and you've gone through the Thrive program and you've done those things, then what really is coming back to it is, is coming to the table and saying, let's talk about this together. What does it look like to you? And hear her out. Hear her out. Hear out what does she look for? What does she want out of a new marriage? What does it look like to her? And basically align your core values because marriages break down due to a lack of core values more than anything. Uh, Most guys don't really pay attention to this and understand that if somebody has different values than you do, that marriage is destined to fail uh, because your values dictate your behaviors. They dictate how you decide to live, how you decide to show up. And so if her values and the way she sees marriage and the way she sees life is different from yours, you're going to have to come together on that. And if you don't come together on that, you're going to struggle. And that's where the breakdown of marriages generally happen. All right, let's go to the next question. Francois Stewart. His question, X and me still live together with young kids, 9 11 can deal with her toxicity, but how do I deal with her berating me in front of the kids? For whatever, for whatever reason, instead of me losing my cool, I never degrade, insult, demean her in front of the kids. Otherwise, I've set up a boundary about this. So it sounds like to me that what you're dealing with is someone who is really toxic in their communication. And one of the very first things we attack in our Thrive program is toxic communication. And we break down this idea that Number one, when someone is being toxic to you, it is your responsibility to respond in a healthy way. And it's your responsibility to set boundaries that say, hey, it's not okay for you to talk to me this way. It's not okay for you to berate me in front of the kids. And so going to her separate from the kids and laying down that boundary of saying, hey, when you yelled at me and screamed at me or when you said those things to me, they were very hurtful. And not only were they hurtful to me, but they're also hurtful to the children because they're witnessing their mom saying negative and nasty things to me. So I would appreciate in the future that you, if you have any negative comments, that you would save those comments for us having a conversation later and that you would not display those in front of our kids. Now, by doing that, you set a boundary and saying, it's not okay for you to talk to me this way. This, what happens is a lot of times is guys will try to force that down the woman's throat and be like, you better not talk to me like that, bitch. That's uh, blah, blah, blah. You disrespected me, blah, 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 and all this shit. And you really end up disrespecting yourself because she's not going to listen to that. She's not actually going to hear you. But when you come to her respectfully and say, hey, when you did this, it made me feel hurt. It made me feel disrespected and dishonored, and I don't appreciate it. Moving forward, I would ask that you never talk to me that way again in front of our kids. I would ask that you... If you have a problem with something I'm doing or something I'm saying, you pull me aside and we will talk about it, but you will not talk to me that way. And then say the next time it comes up and she starts to, you know, do all this stuff, you can stop her. Hey, honey, I love you, but I'm not going to sit here while you talk to me that way. I'm going to walk away. And hopefully in 30 minutes or an hour, you've calmed down and we can actually talk about this and walk away. Don't get drawn in. What I see a lot of times in these toxic conversations, and I had this in my marriage, in my first marriage, was 
that it, it was so toxic. It was so codependent. It was like I was addicted to the high of being in an argument with my ex-wife. And the only way to break that is to stop going back for more. It's like a drug. And that drug will just continue to just come after you. And, and, and they will want it and you will want it. And it's your way of toxically, codependently, intimately connecting with each other. It's so fucking toxic. It's sick. And I see this all the time with couples, especially couples where there's just a lot of baggage and a lot of shit and a lot of unforgiveness, shame, et cetera, that's going on. So hopefully that answered your question. Alex had a question. Um, I'm similar to Jesse above. She moved out four months ago after 25 years of marriage. Things between us were broken as she focused on her career and I focused on work and my daughter. Two months ago, she's not sure about divorce. I'd been talking with her, sharing feeling until I was told not to as that was pulling her in. I said, then best if we go no contact. And this is how it was been for four weeks. I feel like I'm damned if I do, damned if I don't. Not sure how when to approach her. All right. So this is really neutral woman and we can go deeper into this in, in Thrive. Um, we really, we, we really go deeper into this and thrive and, and that would be an appropriate place to, to get more of this, but I'll, I'll kind of paint you the picture of a, a neutral woman. What we're doing is we're saying this person is no longer my wife because they've declared they want to be out of the marriage. Now, technically, yes, they're still your wife. Um, but they've put up a boundary and they've said, I don't want to be married to you anymore. And so once a person has put up that boundary, the faster you can accept that boundary is their truth the easier it's going to be for you to navigate these waters. Now, it takes time because you feel like you've been hit by a two by four. And if you're not doing the work and you're not in an environment like Thrive, where we actually coax you and help you coach you and help you understand of what is actually happening and give you the truth serum of what's going on so you can quickly get to the place of acceptance, not accepting that the marriage can't be um, you know, restarted, but accepting the fact that the old marriage is dead. And the quicker you can get there, the faster any of this happens. So the reason you're struggling is because you haven't accepted that the old marriage is dead. That literally is number one, why you were struggling. And this is where 90% of guys are um, because they can't accept it. Their ego is too hurt. Their ego is too bruised to realize that this person doesn't want to be with me anymore. That is hurtful. You know, you said I do forever. She said I do forever. And it feels like the worst thing in the world when this person literally says no. And so what I see here and what you're saying, Alex, is there's two extremes. You, you're kind of leaning in, she's not sure about divorce, and and you were talking about your feelings and all these things. The feelings thing in Neutral Woman, we talked about this on our Monday group call, actually, if you're in, I think you're in Thrive, um, if I'm not mistaken. Well, we talked about this idea of there's there comes a point when your wife is no longer your safe place, and you can't share your feelings with someone who's not your safe place. Now, we can use power statements, and we can use those types of statements as we teach, but there are some times when it's it's no longer profitable. Uh, so if you're in the business world, we call it a diseconomy of scale. An economy of scale is something that gets better over time with more usage. A diseconomy of scale is when it's no longer profitable to you to continue using this particular strategy. And while using power statements is is simply a powerful thing to use in communication, if she doesn't want to be connected to you as a, as a married partner anymore, then what you have to realize and what you have to understand is that she no longer deserves your emotions. And that is hard to understand that she no longer deserves your emotions because she is not a safe place for you. So therefore those feelings, all that stuff, you get hurt, et cetera, et cetera, is where it comes from. But going completely no contact is not always the best solution either. And I'd have to dive a little bit more into your actual situation, understand 
what the, the particular advice you're talking about is. And here's the other thing too, is there's a lot of conflicting advice out there and we have to create the framework and the model for you to understand and accept what it, what actually it is that you need to do. So Alex, I hope that was somewhat helpful for you. If not, hit me up and we will chat about it. All right, Dustin Stokes. Okay, what does it look like to provide space, time, and consistency, but still show up as a leader and be present and proactive in the relationship? Whew, all right, Dustin. Um, so space, time, and consistency is part of the elements of what we teach in both 30-day challenge and our Thrive and our Revive programs. So it's the basic concept that we're gonna give her time, we're gonna give her space, and we're gonna do it consistently. But it also applies to us personally, okay? It's this idea that, I'm going to give myself time. I'm going to give myself space and I'm going to give myself consistency in what I do and what I choose. So how do I show up as a leader and be present and proactive in the relationship? So the relationship gets defined differently now. Once the woman wants out of the marriage, it changes. It's no longer the exact same relationship that you had before. And so when you have a different relationship, you can only lead a relationship that is actually in existence. You can't lead the old marriage. The old marriage is dead. So what you can lead, though, is a new relationship. But that new relationship isn't a marriage anymore until she's ready to come back to the marriage. So let's say your new relationship is more as co-parents. Then you leading looks like you, you doing the things you say you're going to do for your kids. It looks like you taking your kids and spending time with them, quality time with them. It looks like you doing all the things that you say you're going to do, that's leading, okay? Showing up for the relationship is, is being honorable, is being truthful, right? It's having those core values, and that's all you've got to do. A lot of women, especially women that have walked out of a marriage, are only walking out because the guy can't live up to his word. Like, he says he's going to do these things, but he never does them. Right? How many of you have actually said that or your wife has said that to you? You say you're going to do this and you never change. You never do this. You never do that. Right? What she's trying to say is it feels like to her, nothing has ever changed. Nothing has ever gotten better. You've never actually lived up to your word. You made promises you didn't keep, et cetera, et cetera. And so you, Dustin, get the opportunity to live as a co-parent with her and lead the relationship from the co-parenting standpoint right? That is the time, space, consistency thing. And I can't remember what week, I know you're in 30 day challenge and you're wanting to hop into thrive, but definitely in the first couple of weeks of thrive, that's exactly what we lay out for you in the coming back to the marriage and defining the relationship, the co-parenting game plan, all those things. That is where I think that you can show up the greatest. For example, if your partner asks for time and doesn't want to discuss emotional relationship issues while we're seeking individual therapy before deciding if marriage counseling is the right path, how do you think the man should show up, be present, communicate, and still respect the space and time? Yeah, this is this is neutral woman 101, right? It's this idea that think about if you were in the grocery store and there was a woman behind you that you've never seen before, you never met before, and she's behind you and she's got, you know, a, a basket full of groceries. You're not going to turn around to her and be like, hey, so uh, you want to come out tonight? Hey, so uh, you want to fuck? Hey, so, uh, you know, can I tell you about my day and how, how horrible it was or how great it was, right? None of those things are going to be what you're going to do because that woman's neutral to you. You don't know who she is, 
Guys, the neutral woman concept is one of the most powerful concepts that we teach our clients in our Thrive program. And that if you can get it, even if you're not a, a, a client right now, that's what I'm teaching this concept. If you can get that, it's going to be like seven tenths of the battle that you're struggling with right now. It's literally creating a boundary for you and a boundary for her that says, okay, we're taking space right now. So therefore, the emotional things that I want to tell her, I'm going to journal I'm going to go to my, you know, my thrive, like we've got a community and thrives. I'm going to go to my brothers and I'm going to share with them what's going on, what I'm thinking, what I'm feeling. But we're also doing this. We're not focused on the she button. We're not focused on what she's doing and how this is happening and blah, blah, blah. We are focusing on me and we're, we're understanding the gravity of what is beyond that. So, so when, when a guy is actually asking these questions, how should I show up? How should I do this house? All these things. And, and, and. Dustin, you and I have bit rarely communicated just a little bit, so I don't know much about your situation. Usually what they're saying is, I don't have a frame. I don't have a paradigm for how I can show up, how to be a leader, how to do these things. I don't know what to do. And so he's getting some of that right now in 30 Day Challenge. He'll get it when he when he enrolls in Thrive. But to tell you guys that are listening to this, you know, what do I do with this? It's the deeper question that's beyond. It's the deeper question of what are you actually saying? See, he's, he's not actually saying, I, I want help with communicating with her. What he's actually saying is, I want to feel connected to her, and I don't know how to do that when she is rejecting me, when she is leaning out of the marriage. You know, as he says, as a fixer, it's been hard to utilize neutral woman and create that vacuum. Yep. I mean, that's the thing, dude, Dustin, is like, we're all fixers. <laughs> There's not a man that's not a fixer, unless he's a total fucking beta wimp. Right. We're all fixers. And that's what we're kind of put on this planet to do is the problem solve. Right. That's why, you know, the men, and this isn't to say men, women, women can't go to war, but like men are more towards war and men are more towards fixing things and, and, you know, cars and, and stuff like that. It's kind of what's our, in our DNA. And that's like how we're wired. Um, but you can't fix her. Your job is never to fix your wife. Your job is to be there for your wife. Your job is to love your wife. And uh, it's sad. But, you know, we've been doing this for a while and we've had 250, I think, clients go through Thrive. And, and in this time, we've seen so many men who were just a fuck up in their marriage and realized, unfortunately, too late what it took to have a successful marriage. But then I've got guys like Christian Dagg who, who came to Thrive after he was already divorced but still in a co-parenting relationship, still living in fear, still trying to manipulate his ex-wife. And as he went through and journeyed through the process, and he's still a client now, he's, he's in like authority, which is like three steps beyond thrive. And, you know, he, he came to this place where now he's in a new relationship and he's applying the principles of what he learned in thrive. And instead of being sad that he didn't apply it to his first, which he is, he's now able to apply those things to his next relationship. And so it's important guys that, there's some of you that are listening to this and you're like just hoping Mark will give me some silver bullet so that I can say this thing, so that I can go do this thing and that she comes back to me and wants me and we have great sex and it's amazing and the kids are happy and we have this like joyous moment where everything is amazing and everything is great. But the sad reality is many times that doesn't happen. And that's why I don't stand up here and go, guys, if you followed my advice, your wife is going to come screaming back to you and want you to have sex every single night and everything's going to be amazing, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And that's not what we do here. We, we believe in truth and we believe in the reality of the situation that you fucked up. 
I mean, let's just be honest. You fucked up. And and she might have fucked up as well. Uh, she might have spread her legs for someone else. She might have found herself in an emotional affair. She might have rejected you. She might have done horrible things. And she might be to blame for some things. But it takes two to tango. And it takes two to be in a marriage. And it takes two to actually come to this place where you both failed. And, in, and both of you failing, somebody's got to own their shit. And I can also guarantee if you don't learn how to do this now and you've got a co-parent, you are going to be going for years with this woman and and there will be a continuous cycle of garbage garbage of toxic stuff where unforgiveness just continues to have its bitter root um i'm a couple years past my divorce and my ex-wife is with a guy and you know i'm about to get married again here in october and i'm happy for her i feel like she's found somebody that can be her her person and i'm like man i'm glad and that's that's the power of healing is there still some toxic stuff that tries to come up yeah because i'm dealing with someone who has some mental illness in their in their life and they don't have the coping skills but i have led the relationship since and i don't allow for the toxic stuff to be in my life and in my house or in my children and therefore by putting that stand and leading she has no power over me anymore that's if you've come into thrive you know one of the first things we talk about doing is diffusing the power your wife has over you yeah michael signed and i remember way back in january and then yep i remember michael's conversation in january and he came in and he's he's been <laughs> it's a totally different dude now um Dustin says, it's been hard. We both are junk and owning mine. Glad I've connected you guys. Yeah. Awesome, Dustin. Glad to have you, brother. Okay. How do I start pushing the me button more? I'm owning my shit right now, but I still feel like I push the she button more than I should. So if you, you ever hear me, we, we have this button. We call it the she button. And we say, it's time to stop hitting the she button. It's time to start hitting the me button. So one of the things you can do is do that literally out loud, right? If you find yourself articulating, man, I am hitting the she button. I'm just telling my friends, she did this and she did that and she did this and she did that. Stop yourself and go, wait a minute, Kevin, I'm hitting the she button and I need to start hitting the me button. Like physiologically, like neurologically and physiologically, that actually will make a difference in your life because doing this, it's a tapping technique. And it actually gets you to like refocus on what you're actually doing. So stopping yourself and doing some self-talk out loud will be super powerful for you. The second thing is, I'm just reading these other questions here. The other part of your question. Oh, I'm not sure right now, but I still feel like I push the button. The second thing is, what are you focusing on? Like the, the problems you focus on become bigger problems, but focusing on a solution becomes a bigger solution. There's a book. Uh, actually this, this, this really good book, extreme ownership. Okay. A lot of you say, Oh, I'm owning my shit. I'm owning my shit. Um, if, probably about 60% of the time, I think you're, you, you are missing 40% of it. Um, you're missing a lot. Okay. And owning your shit is a deep work process. That's why in thrive, when we do the owning your shit part, it's like four or five weeks of like going through the, the guts in the mud of the relationship. And this is where we have guys have our, their biggest breakthrough and thrive is usually in that piece. And that's where tears come. That's where the yelling comes. And they're like, oh my gosh, like, like, yes, I got it. I understand now I can see where I contributed to the failure of the marriage. And it's not just owning your shit one time. 
owning your shit is a is a constant process. That's why this book was written. Uh, Jocko Willink, who um, Willink, I can't ever say his right his name right. Uh, it was written by Jocko for the purpose of business owners and entrepreneurs, but it can be applied to anybody. It's a great book on this idea of extreme ownership where it's like everything is my responsibility. And I just did a training on this for Thrive yesterday that I'm actually going to release in a podcast in about, I think, three or four weeks that'll be coming out and it's I am responsible. And the fact that you are responsible for everything is different from saying I'm at fault for everything. It's not your fault the marriage is over. It's your responsibility that the marriage is over. It's your responsibility to show up as a leader. It's your responsibility to be a father. It's your responsibility to be an upstanding co-parent. It's your responsibility to speak with integrity and to speak highly. It's called extreme ownership, Michael. Extreme ownership. You just type in extreme ownership. It's a it's a really big book in terms of sales wise. Um, so you'll it's easy to find. Jocko Will Willink is what it is. Um, and we can try to put a link below. I don't even know if anybody on my team is watching to put a link below, but we could um, on Amazon. Uh, but the idea that you know if you decide that I'm going to own something, it's you own it forever. It's not like guys will come to me and be like, oh, I'm owning my shit. I'm owning my shit. But but are you really? Because I can own something I did five years ago, but can I own something I did five minutes ago? There's a difference in that. And it's not owning it like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I fucked up. I messed up. I messed up. That's not owning your shit. Owning your shit is literally like, here's the thing I did. Here's what caused pain. This is what it must have made you feel. And here's how I'm changing it. But 99% of the time, by the time you want to own your shit, your wife doesn't want to hear it because she's been telling you for fucking years. So one of the ways we teach our guys in Thrive how to own their shit is by not talking about it and just doing it. Some of you want to just talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and don't want to actually own your shit, meaning you don't want to just live it because it's uncomfortable to sit in that pain of what you have caused. Like when you've caused pain to another person, men just want to fix it. They just want to make her just stop crying. Just, just, just let it be okay. I, I don't know what to do. Right. Like a, like a crying baby, right? Like men, especially when we don't have that innate, uh, you know, nurturing type of thing. And a lot of times when I remember being a young father and my baby's crying and I'm like, I don't know what to do with her. I don't know what, I don't know what to do. And, and, and the mom just takes the baby and just, just holds the baby and just sits with the baby and it's pain. Like, like when, when your baby is having teething problems and they're and the t- coming in, you're just like, I just want to throw this thing. I don't know what to do with it. It's just crying. It's just screaming. Whereas the mom can just hold it. Now, obviously over time, you know, moms get stressed out and they're like, I can't do it anymore. It's your turn. But your turn is holding that baby and just sitting with that baby in its pain. That's a part of owning your shit. It is a lifelong process. It's not a well, I owned my shit. I said what I did wrong. That's that's not owning your shit. That is just like the beginning. And even in that, most of the time, your wife doesn't really care at this point. In Thrive, we have a specific process we take you through where we own our shit with ourselves and then we own our shit with her in a way that's powerful and that makes her go, he gets it. He fucking gets it finally. All right, next question. How do you get over the images an affair your wife had, especially if she went in details and told you what she did. Christian's great question. Um, I actually personally went through this myself. Um, I experienced multiple affairs and the way I dealt with it is maybe going to be different from other people. Um, we have Misty McIntyre, who's our marriage therapist on staff. She leads a Tuesday call in Thrive that's phenomenal. So if you get into Thrive, 
that's definitely where I would start because she um, she has a lot of really good insights on affairs, how to deal with it, etc. Um, but one of the things I did was I focused a lot on journaling through that process. Um, I also leaned on prayer a lot, but really just dealing with the images, meaning confronting the images, confronting what it was and being very honest with my wife. Now that was after we were trying to make things work, right? So dealing with, with her was a process of being honest with what those things made me feel and how they made me feel um, and the fears and the and, and all those things. But here's the thing, guys, is that men look at affairs differently from women. Men look at affairs from when a woman has an affair, we feel like we have been robbed and stolen from, and we feel like somebody has literally just drained our bank account of everything we've ever had because men tend to view their wives and their relationships like possessions. Whereas women have a different feeling. It's, it's more of a, a betrayal. I mean, we both feel betrayed, but it's more emotional. It's different. It's a different, like, it's not even domineering. So when, when a woman has an affair on a man, the man feels like he's been robbed and he feels like, Oh my gosh, another man has been with my woman and he feels like he's been invaded upon in so many ways. And that hurts the male ego because the male ego is built on power and drive and, and, and really strength. Right. And so you feel like somebody else has been where I am. Like, that's my possession. That's my wife. How dare you sleep with my wife? Right. And it's all about me and it's not about her at all. Um, and this is where I had to come to a place personally. This may not be a fit for you. This may not be a fit for everyone. But I had to come to this place where I decided I didn't want to cry for me anymore, but I wanted to cry for her. Because if she had to have an affair, that meant something was hurt inside of her to the point that she felt like it was worth risking her marriage and it was worth risking her core values. It was worth changing everything in her life for her to take that risk. Think about that for a second. The risk your wife took to do what she did is huge. It's monumental. And unless you've had an affair, you don't understand fully the risk she took. And then by her doing that, most, a lot of women, not I want to say most, a lot of women, their response when they're caught is, well, they blame you for it. And you, go, you didn't pay attention to me. You did this and you did this and they're, and they're happy because it's their way to take back control and their way to take power over you because they always feel like the lesser person. So in dealing with the images, I personally got to this place where I decided to put on an empathetic thought process. And in that empathetic thought process, I started to see the world through her eyes and I started to see what she was experiencing that would cause her to do such a thing. And when I started to see the world through her eyes and I started to see what she did and why she did what she did, I started to understand my shortcomings, my failures as a husband, what I needed to own, what I needed to work on. But at the same time, it started to allow me to separate from her sin, if you will, from what she did wrong from me, 
Because ultimately, I did not cause her to do that. I did not make her do that. Even though I had shortcomings as a husband, even though I had failures as a husband, even though I didn't always show up for her, I wasn't always what she needed in the moment, she still made that choice. No one put a gun to her head and said, you've got to go sleep with this guy. She made that choice. And by by me starting to recognize that, it, it became much more clear that I've got my work to do. And wow, she really has her work to do. And when you have that understanding, the, the pain starts to dissipate a little bit. The images will go away. I, I, for me, it was, I don't know, six, seven years ago. I don't even remember the images anymore that I had. And I mean, I had access to things like I was snooping. I, I knew what she was up to um, and, and, and had access to things. And I, I didn't see any pictures, but I had images. I would wake up in dreams and, and see stuff. For me, it was about nine to 12 months before the images started to dissipate. But it was like the more honest I was with myself, the easier it was to let go. So those those images you're holding onto really are your ego. It's your ego not wanting to forgive another person because you're replaying in your mind over and over again how they hurt you, right? It's, it's no difference. You're just basically, it's basic unforgiveness. It's that all we can do is hold on to the hurt because it's the only thing we know. It's the thing that makes us feel powerful and in control. So hopefully that makes sense, um, Christian Peterson. And uh looks like that's the last of the questions. So guys, thank you for joining me. Hopefully this was insightful. Hopefully you got some good stuff out of it. And I will see you next time. Hey, this is Mark Santiago, CEO and founder of Empowered Man. I want to thank you for listening to today's podcast. However, before you go, I want to give you a special invitation. Now, listen, we've got a program that is designed specifically for men who are hurting right now, who are on the verge potentially of divorce, who are facing potential separation or already separated, and they don't know what to do. They don't know where to turn. They're dealing with anxiety. They're dealing with cheating. They're dealing with all kinds of shit. If that's you, I want to challenge you to take the Empowered Man 30-Day Challenge. That's right, the Empowered Man 30-Day Challenge. You can go to emchallenge.com right now and sign up for the 30-Day Challenge. Here's why I think you should do that. If you're hurting, you need to understand why you're hurting. You need to understand what is actually going on. In week one of the challenge, we are gonna actually rip off that Band-Aid a little bit and coach you through that process. And then we continue to do that process all the way to the point where you start to make decisions that are empowered instead of disempowered. I don't know about you, but I would much, much, much rather make decisions from a place of strength than a place of weakness. So if you're facing decisions, if you're facing this anxiety, what do I do? How do I respond when my wife is being toxic? I don't know what to do. My wife is cheating on me. I don't know what to do. My wife doesn't love me. I don't know what to do. We are going to help you find those answers within. Now look, this 30 day challenge is probably unlike any other you've been a part of. Why? Because not only do we have daily assignments happening in the program every single day, but you also get live group coaching calls. I said live group coaching calls with myself and my lead coach. That's right, I am a part of this. It's not just some other people doing it. I am there live with you every single week call that we are on. Third part of that is you're gonna have a community of other guys that are going through exactly what you are going through. And the best part of this, this isn't even a fraction 
of the price we could charge for it. In fact, at some point we may raise the price, but right now it is at a bargain. So go to emchallenge.com, emchallenge.com to take the Empowered Man 30 Day Challenge, and I will see you on the inside.